about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And this is the Steve Day Show podcast here on a Friday for free, available courtesy of our friends at Google, Stitcher, iHeart, iTunes, powered by CRTV. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. We have a packed house here because we just finished wrapping up the Dace Group Roundtable. You don't want to miss it. Promo code Dace at CRTV.com. Promo code D-E-A-C-E. You get that reduced subscription. And if you use that promo code and you get the entire team at CRTV, including the great one, Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and more. So CRTV.com promo code DACE. You also get a free trial. So if you try it for a while and you think we all suck, cool. You don't have to pay anything. Cancel at any point during the trial period. Let's preview a little bit of what we talked about on the roundtable today. Aaron, I'll start with you. What stood out to you that you want to tease for our audience? 11 reasons why you should watch the Steve Day show today. Number six, make snowflakes melt. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite conservative sites. I just saw that. Are you responding to what I'm what I'm about to say? Did you Not see this? Not really. No, okay. I just kind of want to just do clickbait every time you ask me to give a preview of the show. <laughs> Nihilistic. I've given up. Aaron is my favorite. Aaron. It's my favorite one. Okay. But um, five minutes ago, when I won't mention it, I don't want to shame them because they do a lot of really good work. But one of my favorite conservative sites literally just tweeted out this headline. A Democratic senator may go to jail, and you won't believe what CNN did next. (laughs) Yes. I'm not making that up. I'm not making it up. Verbatim, I just quoted you, because I was reading it chuckling as the music was starting. This just appeared in my timeline from one of my favorite conservative sites not five minutes ago. A Democratic senator may go to prison, and you won't believe what CNN did next. Sell all the souls. Yes. They are all souls. But seriously, uh, we hadn't finally had a good in-depth uh, discussion about Paul Manafort. And yes, I think, finally. Yeah, fi- <laughs> finally. Because <laughs> that was really missing from our lives this week. Uh, we, I think we all kind of, to, to varying degrees, well, yeah, it was. We were all across the board on what impact um, this actually uh, this actually has. this the, Some of the bombshells that dropped earlier this week, uh, you asked us to give a rating, and we all had a different take. Uh, that was kind of uh, across the board, so I think uh, viewers will be interested to see that entire episode. Also got into um, to healthcare as well. well we're Fine. across the board on everything. Montefort, healthcare, the import of uh, Trump's speech. It's just all of us are just... E- trying to get our bearings uh trying to decide what what's the worst case scenario is the worst case scenario something to avoid or something to actually embrace because that's the most honest thing to do um today I've, i'll speak only for myself today you know felt a little desperate quite frankly not that the quality of the show wasn't desperate but our options 
Oh, just well. desperate. Another day, Indian Y. That's why you just got to give up. <laughs> yeah, who, who's your favorite Todd? Broken Todd? Just read, read some click. Yeah, read some clickbait. No. <laughs> My favorite no. Aaron is is nihilistic abandon hope all ye who enter Aaron broken Todd is my favorite Todd now that you mention that my favorite Kim is Steve you're not being mean enough Kim alright that's my favorite Kim thank you alright so Kim what stood out to you about our TV show today other than Aaron's nihilism and Todd's brokenness oh I know um I always like the discussion about the UN and and the role of the UN and also just what's going on with um Donald Trump's speech and is it really a policy change from Clinton, Bush, Obama. Short answer, no. All right. Let's get some feedback. You guys ready? Yep. So if you want to watch today's roundtable, don't miss it. Promo code DACE. Plus, you're going to see me rocking one of the coolest Star Wars t-shirts ever. It really pops. I am surprised I did not get massive props for this today. It pops on camera better than it does in person, actually. Yeah, that's why I wore it. Oh, it does. Look at that sparkle. Yeah, that looks good. That looks good. May the force be with you. All right, should we begin? Little feedback. Yes. Promo code day, CRTV.com. Don't miss it. Let's start. Chris writes, I'm a doctor. I'm terrified of single payer slash socialized medicine. Everyone will suffer. I will leave medicine as soon as I can pay for my kid's college if it goes down. Cassidy Graham is better than Obamacare and at the very least delays or kills single payer for decades. That's why I support the bill. I typically ridicule Graham and his ilk. We will not get deregulated competitive health care anytime in the foreseeable future. Therefore, in my view, working in this industry... It is a binary choice, and we should support it. Your thoughts, Aaron? Uh, where does he get that this is going to delay it for decades? That's that's the one thing that stood out to me. If that was if that was the case, uh, I would maybe listen a little bit more, maybe be able to buy us a little bit more time um, before what I think is is probably inevitable, unless um, my generation is able to really. Uh, conservatives in my generation are really able to educate people on the free market and how that actually works. Uh, that that might be a bargain if I knew for sure that it was going to delay single payer for for decades. Uh, if if Cassidy Graham was going to do that, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so I get and that's the that's the thing that I'm concentrating. I I sympathize with him. I can't. I, I don't understand where he is because I'm not him. I'm not in healthcare, uh, but I can understand what he is saying, and that, I mean, for somebody who spends, uh, I have friends that are going through dental school, through uh, medical medical school. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that, and then when, when they get their first job, they've got to deal with this behemoth of the regular regulatory state that is Obamacare. So I get that this is a terrible bargain, a terrible uh, place for people like um, this individual to be in. Um, but at the same time, um, if, if I, I don't think that this is going to delay things for uh, decades, like he's saying. So it's Kim? still... Yeah. Well, you know, I think you could actually argue, um, Dr. Chris, that this is actually going to entrench Obamacare more, and it's going to lead to different kinds of bailouts than you're expecting. You're going to have, um, like I mentioned earlier, the insurance stabilization. You're going to have state bailouts. It's it's actually, you could argue that it might lead to a single payer sooner. I think it will. Yes. Yeah. And I say that as the one here that was is the most willing to vote for it on the grounds on the grounds if it truly repeals the individual mandate because I, I just think constitutionally that's that, that's a moral imperative okay but I say that 
acknowledging up front that my under my my understanding of the legislation as it's currently being articulated. Now we don't have a final bill. Then you'd have to even if it passes the Senate, it's going to go over to the House, and and then they're going to do their own thing and then get conference. So some of what we're even arguing about right now, even if it got out of the Senate, is 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 irrelevant because. Another country is going to be heard from over in the House of Representatives when, if indeed it gets out of Mitch McConnell's chamber. But um, you're going to have less access because you give insurers more more freedom to regulate pre-existing conditions, and they will do it. Which means you'll have less access. This does not create an economy of scale that that meaning a competitor. It doesn't create competition. I listen, man. I'm not the I'm not the love child of F.A. Hayek, okay? But if anybody knows a way of bringing down prices in any economic reality other than competition, the only other way I can think of, cultural calamity, right? And it's every man for himself and we're looting the streets. That, 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 are there, historically, have there ever been any two other forces other than cultural calamity and competition that make things cheaper? Can you think of them? No. Okay, so if we're not going to have cultural calamity, then where's the competition come from that lowers the price that lowers the prices? Do you know? No. Neither do I. So if it gives insurers more freedom to regulate pre-existing conditions, which means there'll be less coverage. Um, if it does truly get rid of the individual mandate, that means there'll be a lot less people covered because they won't buy this anymore. And that'll be, I think, in the last round. This is this is why I have zero confidence Republicans can win this battle. Zero. Despite and, and on top of thirty years of historical performance, right? The last round of battles in July over this before the August recess, CBO came out with a report: millions will lose, will lose their coverage. About a week later, National Review ran a story that actually poured into the CBO's numbers that seventy percent or more of the people that the CBO was forecasting would lose their coverage would be a result of them deciding since the mandate's gone, they don't want to buy it anymore. Which is a lot different than a single mom right. in a line with three kids at Fairway who just got a text, yeah, we're not offering healthcare for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Question. Why the hell did, we, did it take a week for someone at National Review to write that story and every Republican wasn't uttering that talking point on every Sunday show, every cable news. Do you know? Yeah, actually, I do know. It's because they love Obamacare. They want right. to keep this. That's right. I, I, I don't think they're equipped to, to make the arguments necessary after they destabilize the market, which they will. And that's why I agree with Kim's analysis, even though I'm the one most prone to vote for it on the grounds of the individual mandate being gotten rid of. And I say it up front. Like I even posted on my Facebook wall yesterday. In my view, this will not be a step to single payer. It'll be a giant leap. It's a lunge. It's a lunge. It will utterly disintegrate the market. Utterly. And it will force a, a conversation right away of what to do next. And I just simply, which, which by the way, if we had a real movement in political party representing us, this would be a great incremental step. Yeah, let's disintegrate the market, blow it up, force them to consider our, we don't, we don't have a real movement or a real party capable of having that argument. I mean, we have a healthcare debate on Monday between four progressives on CNN who are all going to agree government should provide healthcare. Everybody gets a universal coverage. They're all going to agree on that. 
Well, once we agree on that, then it really doesn't matter what else we disagree on. We are we are we are at best delaying the inevitable. And I don't think and I wish I agreed with you, brother. Um, but Chris, I don't believe it's for decades. I think it's more likely um, uh, be- between now and 2020. That's what I think. And he's right, as are you, Steve, to be upset about the individual uh, mandate. But yet I'm just I'm more upset about uh, pre-existing conditions because it's the untouchable. It's the thing that must not be named. No one will deal with it. It just it's there You're now. Right. Can't do anything about Remember it. Remember when now. I tried to warn you when this first started that this is what was going to happen. Remember I tried to warn you. No, you warned they, me, that but they I would fundamentally... not touch it. It's the it's the, it's the, it's, the, it's the new social security. It's the new fourth I... rail. But I'm not going to I'm not going to shrug my shoulder. Well, so be it, because that's a fraud. It, it's an intellectual and a moral fraud, as you've said. You're not even willing to do the math. This whole thing, no matter what, you can create whatever Rube Goldberg machine you want to, unless you stop doing this thing and turning what is insurance should be insurance into health care. It will always be broken. And even if you take away the individual mandate, Doc, still going to be broken. You're sooner, right. I mean, later, now, now, the, now the argument is it's, it's immoral to make people with pre-existing conditions pay more. Right. Now, I mean, now that's the argument now. If you, that now, if you cost more, you shouldn't have to pay more either. Right. You, should get, you should get to cost more and pay the same as everyone it's else. Endless. Does anybody know in any, econo- any economic environment where that works? Oh, I know where it works. To each according to his abilities, to each according to his needs. And every country, that, Korea. Yeah, every country that's true tried that model by the way what, what's their economy look like right now it's failing that done yes done let's continue mr allo Conson writes this note you used to host the steve day show not anymore you now host the loaded question show your show is devolving into a limbaugh like extended monologue with occasional cheers from your amen chorus that serve to highlight how correct you are on the topic at hand ironically your questions are usually posed as a binary choice between your opinion and a comically exaggerated caricature of the opposition ending with am i right or am i wrong go listen to your archives this question format is your crutch Please, for the love of all that's holy, start doing two things more often. One, ask your guest and your co-host more open-ended questions that are designed to elicit their opinions. Number two, let them answer. If you don't want to do that, fine. Just stop inviting guests and stop having co-hosts. Do an actual conservative version of Limbaugh's shtick. But please do one or the other. The way you're doing it now is incredibly aggravating, and it's driven me away, which is unfortunate because that means Mr. Constant's not going to hear us discuss his email here today so i'm going to ask you an open-ended question and then i'm going to let you guys answer what do you think of mr constant's email (laughs) i just want to say you're doing a great job steve (laughs) that was a great open-ended question steve tremendous love your boss the very very best in fact in fact maybe two weeks from now i'm starting maybe two weeks from now you'll ask you'll ask an even better open-ended question you've never seen open-ended questions like this before they're the very best ones you probably uh, poked him in a Trump spot he didn't like. That's my guess. <laughs> you think that's what that, that's what's going poked on? Poked him in a Trump spot. I yes. like that. That's a t-shirt. I don't know. I'm asking. I'm throwing it open. Does he have a legitimate complaint? <laughs> yeah, that's every, I don't know. Everything. He, that's, what our, that's what your real complaint should be. What are you going to get on this t-shirt thing? Every, every other show is like, that's a t-shirt. Do we do it? No. Man, we should just... We, should be the t-shirt moguls of america by now oh i'm we sorry should. did i poke you in your trump spot <laughs> beautiful oh, that's good see 
These things are writing themselves now. <laughs> That's really good. That is really All right. good. I'm, I am composing that email this weekend. I am. I'm sending it off to the powers that be. I am. We have powers that, we do. that be? We, we do, yes. Um, and, and again, I'm, it, the floor is open. If you, if you guys have laments, if, if Mr. Aloe Conson, if he is speaking your love language right now, and you want to go all Dolly Parton and Lily Tomlin and 9 to 5, I'm your Dabney Coleman. This is your chance. Go for it, man. Knock it out. Now, now you understand that that silence will be taken by Mr. Conson as this will be a follow-up email. <laughs> yeah. You have you have beaten these guys down so far that they can't even contemplate a show where they might have an independent thought, where they might disagree, even if you give them the chance. And that only further proves my point. Uh, here's some cover for you. Let's stop talking about this email right now. <laughs> All right, then we will move on. John Ronning says, uh, was listening to you guys talk about uh, the Bobby Riggs, Billy Jean King thing, uh, the movie that's coming out this uh, today, actually. And Kim, you remember, you're a little bit older than Todd and I, so you remember this more. Do you remember it at all, The Battle of Sexes? A little bit. <laughs> uh, the, the thing I, I didn't understand about this, why is the most successful women's tennis player in the prime of her career beating a 55-year-old guy on a, on, um, on a, on a doubles court? When he had just beaten the number one ranked woman, Margaret Court, earlier in the year, why is beating a 55-year-old dude with a woman in her prime, why is that striking a blow for feminism? Do you know? No. I remember thinking, this guy's kind of pathetic. Well, he's he's 55 and in, in 40 years ago in an era where the lifespan was like 66. You know. So that means he ain't buying green bananas. I mean, nowadays, a 50, a, a, nowadays... Serena Williams should mop the court with a 55-year-old man with a life expectancy at 75. But 40 years ago, a 50, and in that era where everybody had two packs of cigarettes before they jumped, before they <laughs> jogged a lap, okay? Are you kidding me? Why, why is beating that guy a, a striking a blow for feminism? I'd be insulted as a woman. Right. That, that's, our, that's, our, that's our trophy. We beat a 55-year-old blowhard who, by the way, had beaten us in the previous match. He beat the number one player in the world in the previous match. And now this is our claim to fame. Why? Yeah. Don't ask me. Anyway, John Ronning says, some years ago there was an article that brought to light the fact Bobby Riggs was in deep debt to mob types and his way out was to throw this match against Billie Jean King. Now, I don't know if this movie brings this out, but it certainly throws a different light on the match, especially when you consider he had previously beaten Margaret Court, who was actually rated higher in women's tennis at the time than Billie Jean King. Todd, do you remember hearing about that at all? No, but I can promise you that part's not part of the movie because that doesn't fit the narrative. That you know, would not no, fit the narrative. No, that, that's not getting made. Interesting, John. No, that's not getting made. Uh, let's continue. Um, Eileen writes, my husband and I watch you guys' show every day. We appreciate the, uh, your voice. Um... You guys are the clarion call to get off our butts and do what? We get it. We need a new party. Obviously, some fledgling parties are giving it a go, but don't seem to be making any headway. Not long ago, you did part of one of your shows on what would be needed for an actual new party to get going. The focus was on big-time donors to put their money where their mouth is and publicly back a new party. Um, I'm a realist just like you, but why couldn't this happen? Is God fresh out of miracles for his people? Maybe maybe a question poll could be asked. If a strong principled party would materialize, would you leave the one you have been tethered to for your whole life or join a new one? I think we've actually done a part a, a, a poll like that, didn't we? Yep. About a, about a year ago, if there was a, or maybe it's even earlier this year, if there was a viable 
alternative to the Republican Party? Would you leave? And wasn't it like 85, 15? Yes. I mean, it was like overwhelming. So I do think, I to answer Eileen's question, I do think we did that poll once before. And I want to clarify something too. Um, you do need cash. I have When I've talked about what it would take to launch a party, it, it's going to need money. The money, though, is primarily for the legal challenges for ballot access. That's, that's really what you need the money for. Because you can, you can do a lot of activism on the cheap nowadays, thanks to social media, if you have people with large platforms to buy into what you're doing, that can drive people to yours. I'll just give you an example from my own career. All right? So I'd never met Mark Levin before, never talked to him before. I get a call from his producer out of the blue one day. Hey, a mutual friend of you and Mark's passed on to him your book, Rules for Patriots. He was really impressed. Um, and no, let me rephrase that because I actually had Mark endorsed that book. I had sent him, a mutual friend of ours gave me his email to send him the manuscript to see if he'd send me an endorsement and, and, and told me to have low expectations. And he actually looked over the manuscript and he was impressed and he sent me an endorsement. All right, this is this is a full year before Conservative Review came to me and, and almost a year and a half before Mark Levin joined Conservative Review. Um, I'm in D.C. doing some meetings and publicity for the book. Levin has me on his show for 20 minutes. We sold every available copy in the first printing of that book on that interview alone on that interview alone. Fast forward a few years later, nefarious plot is out. Mutual friend, I get a call out of the blue one day from Glenn Beck's producer. Mutual friend of you and Glenn's passed on your book. He thinks it's C.S. Lewis good. He wants to have you on a show. Now, uh, a nefarious plot came out, I think it was in February, if I remember right, February or March. This call from Beck's producer came in September. So the book had already been out for six months. It kind of had, it, kind of had, had its run. We'd already been through one printing, and we, were about to, and we were contemplating whether it had enough juice left to do another one. All right? I go on Beck's show for 45 minutes, and uh, the next printing was sold out. That's, that's why I'm, I say if you have people with pre-existing large platforms that, that their audience believes in them and trust them and can drive people to yours, the money you need is not to find your audience. Well, it doesn't have to be to find your audience. I'd rather you use the money you raise for ballot access on a gra- and, and, to get, and get organized at a grassroots level for get-out-the-vote operations. Your branding... If you can convince people with large platforms to get invested in what you're doing, that will handle your branding budget for you in the in the day and age in which we have now. All right? So that's where, you know, I'd be looking at people that people with large platforms that have proven to be monetizable, active actionable from an activism standpoint that also are willing to buck the system and be independent thinkers. I'd ask, and, and so if I were one of these new parties like the Federalist Party, I'd be talking to people like Mark Levin and Glenn Beck. I'd be talking to people like that. I'd spend months schmoozing them, establishing a relationship, a rapport, because 
if you can get one of them on board. Now, the danger, of course, you're always worried, well, if we get a big star on board, do they become what people uh, see us as or us? I, I hope you get to have that problem. That's a good problem to have. It is. All right. That, you want that problem. You know, every there's an old saying in football. Anytime you have two quarterbacks, you don't really have one. Every now and then, though, you run into a situation like what Ohio State had a couple of years ago where their starter gets hurt at the end of the year. They put another guy in and win a national championship. Now, 95% of the time, whenever a, quarter, a coach can't decide among his quarterbacks, it's because he's not satisfied fully with any of the options he has. But every now and then, you hit snake eyes. And you really do have a couple of good ones. And that, that's a good problem to have. You want to say, I have the problem of being too closely identified with a star. Because if you're too closely identified with a star, that means that star is doing what for you? He's pimping you serious. It means people, his audience, is closely identifying you with him. And you get the benefit of that at the exact same time. So if you can't do that, then that means you're going to have to use those resources to build your social media presence and come up with additional resources to um, uh, you know to fight the legislative uh, or to fight the the ballot access battle. Are there people out there that have in, that believe with us and have serious resources? Yeah, I know some of those people, but they've they've also been asked to back. I'll just tell you about one very prominent Christian conservative donor family I know. They have been extraordinarily generous with their money. And a lot of conservative groups and Christian conservative groups have come to them promising we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and they didn't do anything. And just, and just did whatever the Republican Party told them to do every single time. Well, they're at the point now, I'm not, we're not taking any more flights of fancy. And it's not even that these are big amounts of money to us. It's not to them. It's the principle. They want to be good stewards of their money. You know they're worried. They're worried about godly accountability, not a balance sheet. And so they're worried that they, that that you know they're going to get to heaven one day, give an account for all the resources God gave them. He's going to ask, well, why'd you flush the money down the toilet with these feckless, gutless bureaucrats that don't even win anything ever, and just take my name in vain, and then follow it up with utilitarian lesser to evils logic after they do. So they would be a prime candidate. They could fund an effort like this by themselves, easy. But if you can't go to them with a sustainable plan that you, with people who have a track record of winning, they're not cutting you a check because they've, they've taken enough flights of fancies, they've taken enough political venture capital meetings and gotten diddly poo in return. Why can our buddy B- B- Vanderplatz raise, out here in the hinterlands of Iowa, raise the kind of money, kinds of money groups have to go to D.C. permanently to raise? Why? He's got trophies. He's got scalps on the wall. So because he has a record, he gets money. That everybody else has to go to D.C. and and live on K Street and circling the swamp to get. He's able to raise that from here in Iowa. So that's the other reason why going with, uh, if you can get people, and you know what? If you go into this family I'm talking about and you say, we've got Mark Levin. We got Glenn Beck. We got, just pick a name. I'm listening. Because money follows money. People like to know that I'm not the only one seeing what I think I'm seeing. And if somebody else whose opinion I respect is seeing the same thing, then I'm in. Any thoughts on that? It's, uh, that's pretty simple. Doesn't, it's not, doesn't mean it's easy. It ain't easy, but you're right. It's simple. I think the problem is most people on both sides of the equation, I think, are so 
stunned by what's happening right now. I, I think it's it, instead of learning our lesson and creating something new, we're just going to do the safety dance and try to wait this thing out and pretend that this was some really bad dream and we'll reset this in three years. I don't, I just, I don't believe for a second we have any vision quest in us at all to pull off anything, money or no money. It'd be great if more people um, were thinking along these lines as Eileen and um, and wondering what can we do. I, You know, if God places it on your heart, I'd say run for office, local. Go somewhere, you know, county supervisor, um, city council, something like that, and you'll be fighting these battles. Interesting email here from Joyce Reed in Shelbyville, Tennessee. I know the pre-existing conditions mandate is one of the aspects of O-care that Obamacare that is forcing premiums to the roof. I am fully for removing that mandate and letting the free market take over. I have friends who I would consider conservative that want the mandate in place mainly for selfish reasons, meaning they have pre-existing conditions. Exactly. This is this is why when tre- treason never prospers, what's the reason? Because whenever treason prospers, none will dare call it treason. This is why the welfare state is one of the greatest demonic scams of all time. You literally convince people to subsidize their own undermining. Yes. Subsidize colleges preaching and teaching your kids against the values that you painstakingly tried to instill in them for 18 years. And you not only will subsidize them, but then pay out of pocket the over the overage cost at the exact same time. And we just do this on and on down the road. You subsidize your own undermining. That's what the welfare state does. Anyway, she says, if instead of totally doing away with the pre-existing coverage requirement, what if they made a rule that says if a person has been receiving and complying with medical treatment for said condition, it is no longer considered pre-existing? I emphasize complying because I see people every day who have a pre-existing condition such as diabetes who refuse to follow their doctor's orders. They won't follow, follow dietary instructions, those ag- thus aggravating their condition. What she's talking about are what we call in the medical, in medical science, it's called chronic conditions. Okay, meaning behaviorally induced maladies, right? There's two types of diabetes. There's the kind that you're just born with. Your body can't process, um, uh, you know, you're, you're, you can't process, what is it, glucose? Is that what I'm thinking of? Mm-hmm. It can't process glucose properly. Then there's the kind that you bring on because you ate like a freaking hog for too long and did it to yourself, okay? Um, she's talking about that. People like that should never be exempt. But if someone is a diabetic who follows all their dietary guidelines, exercises, maintains their glucose within appropriate levels, they should receive some credit for their effort. She's talking about a meritocracy where we incentivize people to do what is good as opposed to sitting around waiting for them to screw up and then subsidize what's bad. Would this help lower premiums while providing needed coverage? Or is that a pipe dream and the premiums would stay at record levels anyway? What do you guys think? Uh, premiums would not change enough uh, to alter the paradigm we're in the middle of right now, which is unsustainability. There's one way I think, guys, and Aaron and Kim, you tell me what you think. There's one way what she is proposing would work. And this is if you put pre-existing condition people in a separate risk pool. Put the responsibility on paying their premiums on them. And you created an incentivization that following the medical guidelines to mitigate and regulate your pre-existing condition 
then would create, similar to what we do with drivers in, in, in auto insurance, for example, the better the driving record, the lower the premium. The better job you do regulating your pre-existing condition, the, then, you, then you would then qualify for plans with cheaper deductibles, um, uh, better premiums, et cetera. But that would require removing them. I don't think, with, I think if you place pre-existing people in the same risk pool as everybody else, there is simply no way premiums could go down because they're always, even if they're doing the right thing, they're still gonna use the medical system a hell of a lot more times than Aaron is across the hall there, okay? Right. So the only way that 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 what you, what Joyce They're incentivized to do so. Yes, yes, they are. The only way that Joyce's plan would work is if they were get in my view is if they were in a separate risk pool and we incentivize them to follow medical guidelines in order to then eventually qualify for a standard plan. As long as something changed in their health because they were following, you know, the medical advice. But you know what they're trying to do now um, with Medicare Medicaid is that. The person that gets penalized for the patients that don't follow medical advice are the doctors and the providers. They're looking at, you know, how often does this person come back? Have you fixed this problem? How, you know, why are they continuing to use these um, services? So um, unless they, f- they they change that along the lines you're talking about, Steve, it's it's a pipe dream. This is the same thing that we run into so often with progressivism, uh, equality versus sameness. Um, you know, all of us, whether or not we have pre-existing conditions, quote unquote, or not, we're all um, uh, equal, but we're not all, all the same. We don't have the same circumstances. And so this is yet again, we're arguing. It seems like most of the arguments are, are coming from uh, just accepting the progressive premise that everybody's mm-hmm. equal. So we have to yep. pay the equal thing. That's the same thing that we that we have on every single yeah. issue. And as we're recording this, I'm sure you guys just saw this on Twitter, but John McCain's I not just going. It. Yeah, yeah, John McCain is not going to support Cassidy Graham. Ooh. So there's another one that's down the broad. So, so we fourth be- time, fourth time's not the charm. We may go back to the prediction I made for eight months that they won't be able to pass anything then. Oh, they'll get some Democrats on this because, yeah, it'll it'll still pass. But Democrats have no incentive to do this on any level. Zip, zilch, nada, nothing. Yeah, they they never had. That's why that's why I've always said it wouldn't pass. They, there's no reason for them to vote for this at all. They they're already on record Medicare for all is their only alternative to single payer only. And whether or not they, they pass, whether they, or not they support it, uh, the Republicans are most likely going to be in charge when this whole thing yeah, comes crashing. Yeah, Democrats want that. Not to mention, the, the, the other thing they want, then, if, if, is Obamacare collapses and to make Republicans have a TARP-like bailout for the insurance companies. Oh, my gosh. Those commercials would... Democrat... Democrat consultants would see their hourly pay cut in half. Those commercials would be so easy. That's so real. So, so simple to run. Watching a bunch of white Brooks Brothers suited Republican corporatists voting to bail out insurance companies. Oh my gosh. So Are we you re- kidding me? We rewind to your previous pr- prediction that nothing's going to get nothing, done. Yeah, and yeah, now we yeah, need to yeah. rewind to the yeah, last email. Yep. Now we need to re- rewind to the last email when we talked about the need for a new product. Yes, because here's why. McCain gives cover to... Mer- 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 Collins was already a no. Rand was already a no. That's two. Okay? So it's 52 to 48. So now you're down to 50. McCain's 49. Well, now, if McCain is a no, and McCain is on his way out, obviously, with his health, he's not up for re-elect anytime soon, that gives Murkowski and anybody else who's soft, Portman, who voted against this before, they now have the cover they need. McCain provided it for yep. them. Yep. So I think they're toast again. Democrats, it'd be, it, it would be political malfeasance for one Democrat to vote for this, one of them.
and I and I don't say that from a preference standpoint, but an analysis standpoint. Mm-hmm. The aim of their party since Medicare was created in the 60s, it has been with the eventual goal of a single payer. They are closer than ever before. Obamacare is doing exactly what it was designed to do, which is fail and destabilize the system. Why step in and bail it out now? That doesn't make any sense at all. None. Zip, zilch, not a none. Elections have consequences or something. That's going to do it for today's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And you guys wonder why we talk about sports sometimes. Now you know. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Don't forget crtv.com, promo code DACE to check us out on the Dace Group Roundtable over at CRTV as well. Until Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.